I'm Paul Levinson, and welcome to Light On, Light Through, episode 216. My review of Peter Jackson's The Beatles, Get Back, Part 1. Well, I started watching Get Back with the absolute knowledge that The Beatles were and are one of the best things in my life and easily the best thing musically. You know, for the past few years, I've listened to the Beatles about as much as to MSNBC on Sirius XM Radio, which is to say, any and all the time, I'm in the car driving by myself. Their arrival in the United States in 1964 coincided with my first serious girlfriend, Barbara. In fact, we met when she came to hear my doo-wop group sing at a Y on the Grand Concourse in the Bronx. Within a few months, by the way, we disbanded that group and founded a folk rock group, the New Outlook. Anyway, by January 1969, The time we see the Beatles in the studio and Peter Jackson's The Beatles Get Back. I was with Tina, who became my wife. We're still happily married with wonderful children and grandchildren. We just had a great Thanksgiving yesterday. So, the Beatles in general and Peter Jackson's documentary in particular are that central and important to my life. Masterpiece is not quite the right word for it because experiencing the first part of this movie was more than that. It was so deeply personal. But I will say that this documentary, or at this point part one at least, is brilliantly made. The rapid history of how the Beatles got to 1969 with words on the screen in an almost silent movie kind of style, well, that worked perfectly. And the two hours, 30-something minutes just flew by. Here are some moments that especially impressed me, even touched my soul. Point. George compliments Paul on his beard. This happens at the beginning of the movie, that is, early on in the first seven days, which are the timeline covered in part one. That's about the happiest interaction between Paul and George in the movie, and that's surprising, given that the movie has been billed as spotlighting the joy which was cut out of everything we saw and heard back in 1969 about the Beatles. But in the movie, Paul is quietly relentless in his disparagement of George, ranging from Paul's well-known plea to George to keep it, quote, simple, unquote, to Paul complaining that he can't hear himself sing with George playing, to just the expressions on Paul's face. None of George's songs at this point in the movie are taken very seriously, with the partial exception of All Things Must Pass. Great song, by the way, one of my favorite all-time songs. But that didn't even make it into the Beatles album. In a word, though I'll always be a champion of Paul and his extraordinary talent, 
Jackson's movie makes me think that George had every right to be angry. Point. John suggests changing wind to mind in George's All Things Must Pass. A mind can blow the clouds away. By 1969, Lennon's leadership of the band had clearly given way to Paul's. But Lennon's incisive, sparkling mind was as sharp as ever. It even looks in the movie like he's looking at the lyric sheet when he says something along the lines of mind being almost the same word as wind. Well, they're practically spelled the same, right? W-I-N-D-M-I-N-D. Marshall McLuhan would have loved the visual acoustic written verbal interplay. Point. Get Back, the song that is, is semi-seriously considered to be and is even developed to some extent into a protest song in the movie. There was a wave of fascistic anti-immigration fervor in England in 1968-1969, something that we here in the United States unfortunately know all too well via Trump for the past few years. And Paul and John toy with pitching the song Get Back as a satire critique of what the right wing back then was calling on the Pakistanis who came to England to do. Point. Ringo, watching and hearing Paul play the piano, says he could just listen to that all day. That was one of the sweetest, most heartwarming moments of this movie. Point. Yoko and Linda talking and laughing. That shatters some of the myths of Yoko and the Beatles, and it was also heartwarming. Point. The joy on Mal Evans' face every time he plays the hammer in Maxwell's Silver Hammer. He's just thrilled to actually play even the small part in a Beatles performance. I can understand that completely. And point, the sheer abundance of Paul's contribution is just incandescent magnificent. In addition to Silverhammer and Get Back, we get clips of Let It Be, Long and Winding Road, Two of Us, even Another Day, which, like George's All Things Must Pass, never made it to the Beatles album we see under preparation. Back to George. As I said, I don't blame him for being hurt and angry. I can't quite say the same about his leaving the Beatles, though, which closes out part one of this life-changing documentary. But okay, I did this podcast. Right after I post it, I'm going to watch part two of this movie, and I'll be back again. The Light on Light Through podcast. Well, I hope you enjoyed that review of The Beatles' Get Back Part 1. As I said, I'll be back very soon with a review of the Beatles' Get Back Part 2, and then Part 3. Also coming up in the next few days will be a podcast review of the latest episode of Invasion. Lots of good things coming along on streaming television and on cable television, so you'll hear reviews of at least some of that from me. 
In the meantime, stay safe, stay sound, and enjoy. Athens, 2042 AD. She ripped the paper in half, then ripped the halves, then ripped what was left, again, into bits and pieces of history that could have been. Sierra Waters had read once that, years ago, it was thought that men made love for the thrill, while women made love for the sense of connection it gave them. Curled up with a good book says, Sierra Waters is sexy as hell. You can find out more about The Plot to Save Socrates by Paul Levinson at theplottosavesocrates.com. Paul Levinson still code about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries.